The title of today's lesson is simply No Higher Calling. Uh, the text within the circle here is um, a version of Ephesians 4, verse 24, where Paul speaks through the Holy Spirit to the Ephesian church, and he says, you must display a new nature, because you are a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. That indeed is a beautiful translation of the original text to capture what God's grand purpose is for us. We've looked at some of the most basic features of God's grand purpose by looking at conversion itself, how that there must be new birth. Uh, we must be born again. Uh, Jesus tells us, as he spoke to Nicodemus, we must have a fundamental change, starting with forgiveness sins. We must be cleaned up of our old life. But we know from Scripture that God does not just leave us as forgiven people just trying to make the best of it till His Son returns or till we die. Conversion or new birth or baptism is just the beginning point of something great that God is looking to do in our life. It involves initially replacing the old self with our new, a new self, which we've looked at uh, over the last couple of weeks. But now we're going to kind of put a crowning top on it to see that that new self is just part of a great and grand view that God has for us, something that He's always envisioned for us as His people, something He wanted going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We know in the book of Genesis that both Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. But what did they do shortly after their time uh, placed in the Garden of Eden? They committed sin. They did the very thing that God told them not to do. They ate of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And then mankind began a downward, a downward spiral, committing all kinds of sins against the intention of God and against everything God had planned. In fact, he had to start all over again with the great flood. But he starts all over again with humanity, with just Noah, his family, eight individuals, to start all over again with this plan that he had since the creation of the world, and even before. That is, to have a people that he could call his own, and that would take on a character unlike anything we've ever seen. But he knew he'd have to forgive those people to begin this process. But this morning, we're going to look exactly at what he's looking for. We're going to look at it through five different verses, because each of these verses is essentially saying the same thing in different ways. As a teacher, I'm doing that all the time, trying to say the same thing in different ways, hoping I'm going to either wake up one student, or maybe have a student that's already awake, ah, now I get it, or another student that kind of gets it to appreciate it more, things like that as we're talking about each history uh, subject that we address, trying to capture our focus. Well, here the Apostle Paul and Peter talk about the same thing to five different churches, at least five different churches. He talks to them about a higher calling. I want you to think about the idea of calling. Uh, in the gospel, or I'm sorry, in the letter that Peter wrote the first, he says, make your calling and your election sure. Sometimes in our common language, we talk about people having a calling. Uh, some people talk about that they had a calling to play a certain sport or to pursue a certain career path. They felt like they were really good at it. 
or they felt like they could be a blessing. A lot of people that are involved in philanthropic efforts, some type of benevolent cause, uh, they start a charity or a foundation, they believe they had a calling to do that. Either help uh, children that were homeless or to help certain people with certain challenges. They just felt that this was the perfect fit for them. That was their calling. And as Christians, we have a perfect fit. Let's see how it's described in the first passage, Romans chapter 8. We'll look at verse 28 beginning. We'll focus on what is said in verse 29 and then make some application. And we'll do that through all five of these texts. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here Paul tells the Roman Christians, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. Verse 29 now. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's the first text that tells us what our calling is. We find that we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. This is what God is looking for. Look again at verse 29. For those God foreknew, that means He saw ahead of time, He also predestined, which means He predetermined, this is what they're going to be like, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is a lofty statement, but it's said in these simple words, we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Conformed means to be constantly molded. We find here our purpose for living. That is to be molded to look just like Jesus Christ. Again, we were made in God's image with that potential to start with. Book of Genesis. But we ruined it. But we can start all over again, and that's what the new birth process is all about. Starting all over again, but yet being empowered by God's forgiveness, by a spirit dwelling within us, and learning of this grand purpose, we can start again. But consider this for a moment, being conformed to the image of God's Son. First of all, it's the opposite of what the world wants. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world. That is, don't take on the values of your culture. Don't take on the values of people you see on TV or in movies. Uh, don't take on the values of the neighbors down the street that are going in an opposite direction of what God wants. Or friends that do not care about God and things that are important to Him. It's the opposite of that. It's being conformed or shaped to look just like Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the great lessons that Michael and Jay present. So many of them, if, if not all of them recently, have focused on teachings of Jesus or interactions of Jesus with people. Here God took on human form. His son comes to the earth to show us what God is like. We see Jesus being very compassionate to people that had been forgotten and just overruled in this culture. 
You find Jesus taking on the religious culture that thought they already knew what God wanted for them. A lot of times he turned those viewpoints upside down. He took people that came to him asking questions about what life was all about. And he, he told them the truth. Times he told people when they were on a sinful course, you've got to stop that. Other times he encouraged them and said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But he practiced what he preached. And he showed us, here's what's important to God and here's what God is like. Whether taking little children to his side and saying that they were important. Or taking people that suffered all their life with some infirmity and healing them. He was constantly looking for restoration of people. And lifting up the people and putting them in their right place. And in the process shows us what God is like. He's constantly about restoring and, and making us the best version of who we can be. Because he made us with that potential. So in this first verse, we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Whatever we see Jesus doing, we want to be doing the same. Whatever he, we hear him telling us not to do, we don't want to be doing that. Hence, the Sermon on the Mount becomes very important. Whatever he says, this is what I want you to focus on, that's what we focus on. And that's being conformed to the image of his Son. And in the process, Paul tells us, verse 28, all things work together for good to those who loved him, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, to be conformed to the image of his Son. We can trust that in this conforming process, that God is working out all things for our good. Even when we're greatly upset and anger is trying to turn into sin, when we conquer it, when we do battle with it, we can trust that we can look back at that same boy. We, I'm glad we handled that the right way. We didn't say something we shouldn't. We didn't do something we should not have done. We can trust that in all things, God is working for good in those things. Even in the things that hurt us the most, and stress us out the most, we can trust that God is doing His work in our lives. That gives us great confidence that whether it's good or bad, God is working in that situation. Second verse to look at, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Just go forward. All of these will take you forward in your New Testament. The book of 2 Corinthians. This is a second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote by the Spirit's direction to the ancient church in Corinth. And they had perhaps more struggles than any church. But they were doing better by the second letter. But he continues to challenge them. Chapter 3, verse 17 beginning, and we'll focus on verse 18. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let's read verse 18 again. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There are a lot of 
challenging uh, words within this text that I wish we could spend more time looking at, but I just want to isolate this, these words that match what we saw in Romans 8.28. It says, we contemplate the Lord's glory, verse 18, and are being transformed into His image. Here he's talking to people that have already been baptized. In fact, every one of these texts is to people who are already believers, who have been in Christ for quite some time. He tells them what is the ongoing process in their lives. You're being transformed into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. That's a marvelous statement. One, it's saying that God doesn't ever just leave you where you are. God never says, well, you have arrived. You've been a Christian five years. You're doing everything just right. Take it easy now. That's never the picture. We're always growing, always trying to improve. We're always looking for areas of our life that have been left unattended. We want to work on those. We're always looking to grow in areas that we think we have down pretty well. Everything is always a work in progress. But it's a glorious progress. It's always looking better. I know I use a lot of car analogies, but I love seeing cars restored. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll see videos of cars that were found. They're called a barn find. They were left neglected in someone's barn for 30 years. And there's dust, there's cobwebs, there's leaves, there's junk left there from 20 years ago. And someone finds that car. They take it out and they start washing it and getting all the junk out. They got to get all the junk out first. Then they got a pretty solid foundation. But then they spend years restoring it, sanding all the rust off, uh, fixing parts that got bent. Then eventually, uh, when all the parts are on, it's painted. But it's a long, painstaking progress or process that when it's done, you have this beautiful car. But yet, you continually have to wax it shine it up as it's taken to shows. It's never something that's just done and now it sits all over again. It always looks beautiful, but it keeps looking even more beautiful. And that's what our lives look like. Let's say someone struggles with greed. They're always trying to get more and then hang on fiercely to what they have. And As they come to Christ and God starts working on their greed... All of a sudden, they start holding on more loosely to their money. It's not about just always keeping it for themselves. And all of a sudden, they've got that problem uh, in a much better place. Then all of a sudden, they start becoming more generous. Instead of trying to keep everything to themselves and to hang on to it and be fearful about it being taken, now they're more generous. And when they see an opportunity, whether it be in the church or someone on the street or someone in their neighborhood, someone that could use the help, they now start loosening up their fist, if you will. And they start experiencing the blessing of giving. And they start experiencing a joy of giving that replaces all that desire to hang on to their money. That's the beautiful transformation just in one area that God is looking for. Jesus taught most often about money and its debilitating effects if it's loved too much. But then he also talked about how much it can bless other people if you learn to handle it right. So part of the transformation process 
is looking at how Jesus taught about money, how he treated money, and then taking that on in our lives, and then our character is transformed. And that's just one area to focus on. But it's a beautiful transformation. He says again in uh, verse uh, 18, we're transformed into him is his image with ever-increasing glory. Even though our physical body is showing signs of deterioration, of age, Scripture says our inner self is being renewed day by day. In fact, look, just look forward to chapter 4, verse 16. Chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 16. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So in this transformation, this, even though our body is wasting away, you can look more beautiful. And you are looking more beautiful because the inside is radiating. That's why some of the older brothers and sisters in Christ are the most beautiful. As you find them having gone through life and its difficulties, and their character is fashioned, and they're a blessing in their words and their actions to those who are younger, even though their body shows signs of aging, they're more beautiful than they've ever been. Because they've allowed transformation to happen for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it looks like it, and they're blessing people. And that's exactly what God is looking for. An ongoing transformation into the image of the Lord. The third verse, where the same theme is looked at just another way. Book of Ephesians. Go forward two books now. We've looked at this text already. We'll just revisit it. Paul tells the Ephesian church about their life. He says in verse 22 beginning, and then we'll focus on verse 24. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23. And to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self. But did you catch what's coming next? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. First of all, he says we are to put off the old self. But we're also to put on this new self. But then he tells us, here's what the new self is supposed to look like. It's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The constant push of Scripture is that God wants you to look like Himself. Now, we don't take on His all-powerful nature. We're not going to speak a world into existence. We're not going to miraculously bring someone back from the dead. He's not looking for us to take on that power. He's not looking for us to be all-knowing of every situation. And, but He does want us to take on His character. And that's what the new self is. And therefore, look at verse 25. He says, therefore, here's what that new nature looks like. You must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who, must, those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We'll just pause here. Here we're told we're created to be like God, but then we're given very specific examples of what that looks like. Uh, the first one here, putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully to your neighbor. We talked at length a couple weeks ago about just what happens if you've been known as a person who lies. Just, no one trusts you. Everybody listens to every word with a, with a grain of salt because they don't really know whether or not you're telling the truth. But if you decide you're going to get out of the lying business, it's going to take a while, but you're going to build trust with people. You'll actually do what you say you're going to do. People will validate the stories you tell. And, and then people enjoy being around you. They enjoy listening to you and they enjoy committing trust to you because you're a person they now appreciate rather than always are suspect of. And there's a great blessing to that. Not only have you become a person that people can now trust and be close to, instead of be fearful, hey, what are they trying to do? You become a blessing to yourself. You can trust that people like being around you and you don't have to impress anymore. You don't have to try to tell things that aren't true or that never happened. You don't always have to escape things that you've done by lying about it. You become a person that's a blessing. A blessing to others, but also you become someone that you yourself can live with. Now, people that lie are very uncomfortable people because they don't ever want to be caught in their lies. They're running from what they've said all the time. And they wonder whether or not the things they've said over time will catch up with them. So when we're created to be like God, it's a blessed life where we're constantly getting rid of things that God says are destructive to us, that are hurtful, that tear us down, that hurt others, and we're taking on instead just the opposite. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. So if you're someone that criticizes all the time, but you say, I'm going to get out of the criticizing business, I'm going to get into the complimenting business. That's a great business to get into. Instead of looking for what's wrong with someone, now you look for what's good. That doesn't mean you gloss over what's wrong. You start out by saying, hey, I like what you said. Or that, or, I appreciate what I'm seeing today in you. And I appreciate what you said to somebody else. And you're complimenting. Or I saw what you did, and that was very nice. People will love being around you. They'll be comfortable because now you're a blessing. So this transformation process, which is very difficult at times, to take on the opposite behaviors is a blessing, though. It is a blessing as we take on the character of God. Let's look at the fourth now. Look forward now to the book of Colossians. Forward two books to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 10. Again, same thing, just different way. Colossians 3, verse 10. We'll start with verse 9. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he says, Do not lie to each other. There it is. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self 
with its practices and have put on the new self, which is what? Being renewed in the knowledge of or knowledge in the image of its creator. In verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here we find the fourth verse that tells us we're being made to look like God. We're taking on his timeless attributes. He has it in perfection as God. But he's calling upon humanity that has put their lives in trust with him to now take on these qualities in their life. He says, we're being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And look at the positive qualities. Look down to verse 12 that we now take on. Verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen. See, God's not just looking for us to get rid of sin, though He is. But that's just the beginning. God wants to get rid of the destructive things, just like in car restoration, you've got to get rid of rust. <laughs> you can't have rust taking over your car. You've got to get rid of rust. But you don't just get the rust off and leave it an unfinished frame. No one wants to look at just metal. Then you begin to paint. You put a foundational layer of paint on, and then you put another layer, and you sand that down, and you paint it, and there's a finished coat, and then you wax. Now it starts looking beautiful because it's taking on the opposite nature. God just doesn't want you just not sinning, but sitting at home doing nothing. He wants you now engaging this world as something beautiful He's made. So that's why he says in verse 12 here, clothe yourselves with compassion. He wants your entire identity and my identity clothed with something different. That is what people see and what identifies you, which is what our clothing does. He wants it entirely different. So he says, take on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Just think about compassion. Uh, we live in a harsh world. And it's easy when celebrities fall and when prominent figures fall into something wrong. They say, well, I told you so. I knew there, were, I knew there was something wrong with them. Or yeah, To always be, and, and rightly so, there's a place for pointing out why people did what they did and the consequences. But sometimes there's a place for being compassionate, to help people up. To restore them. Not to kick them when they're down, but to restore them. And to help them get back up again. And they learn their lessons sometimes, but now they have to be given trust once again. And start doing just the opposite. Some people just need kindness. Someone to speak nicely to them instead of harshly. 
A lot of my students have had parents who've spoken or spoken harshly to them all their lives. They're beaten down, sweet and precious souls. Because they've constantly been told what's wrong with them by their parents instead of what's right. So a lot of times we as teachers find ourselves in the position of trying to heal somebody that doesn't think they're good at anything and doesn't feel very valuable and for sure doesn't want to put themselves out there where they could be shown to be wrong. So kindness has to be shown them at times because they need that so desperately. Humility, he says here. Take on humility. We have plenty of people that are quick to tell you how much money they have and where they've gone and what they've done and who they know, what they can do, and they take over the stories and conversations. They like to have their names on buildings and they like to impress. But God's looking for people that are humble. They don't have to tell other people what they've done to help other people. And they don't have to always be the center of attention or the center of a conversation. They're just humble people that just do. And everybody sees what they do and are blessed by that. This is what God's looking for. Because as we take on these qualities, we're starting to look like our Creator. And there's no person more beautiful. There's no person more handsome. The one who looks like God because their inner self is coming out. And there's no one more ugly than someone who's beautiful on the outside but ugly on the inside. Because the destructive things on the inside will permeate what's on the outside to where there's nothing good to see. But God is building us from the inside out. So no matter what we don't have on the outside and what we don't think we were blessed with, all of that, God says, I'm not even looking there. I'm looking at your inside. And you will radiate beauty. You will radiate everything I plan for you as you take on my character. And people will love you for it. Number five. Look forward now to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Going forward to 2 Peter chapter 1. We find in this last text that we are to partake in the divine nature of God. You might say, haven't we been hearing that? Point four, three, two, one. Absolutely. God is making his point over and over and over again with us. This is what I'm looking for. This is what your life's all about. Let's look at it now as he speaks through the Apostle Peter. Verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, His divine power has given us Everything we need for what? A godly life. Through the knowledge of Him. Thank you, Ricardo, for that. You got it. Who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Here it is again. We'll pause and then we'll read on just a moment. He says, we've been given great and precious promises. We can just start with forgiveness. 
Where do you get forgiveness? <laughs> Where everything in the past gets washed away. No one gives us that but God Himself. Where do you get the promise of life after death? Is it in science? Does science solve the problem of death? No. But the solution is within Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Therefore, we are promised our resurrection. So we have these great and precious promises. But we also know that through them, through giving, being given hope in, about our life and, and our future, he says, we can participate in the divine nature. We can now focus on what God has always wanted. That is us taking on his character and looking like him in this life. So Peter continues, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if any of you do not have them, you are nearsighted and blind and you have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Verse 10 now. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here we're being told that this process is worth it. Just as someone restores a car and they spend years doing it, knowing what the end will look like. God says it's worth it what He's doing in your life as it is restoring. He makes you brand new when you're born again. But then He begins this process that will last your lifetime. Taking on these character qualities of self-control, that is saying no to what's wrong and destructive. Perseverance, being able to hang in there in the long term with what is right and good. Godliness, that again is looking like himself. Mutual affection. Love. These are all things that allow us to live at peace with ourselves. Many times people are not at peace with themselves because they're not happy about the choices they're making. And they see the destructive trail left behind them as whether it be deceit or greed or immorality, whatever it is, is leaving this ugly path that follows them wherever they go. And they, they are not at peace. They can't sleep. They're frustrated. But God's saying here it doesn't have to be that way. As you become participants in the divine nature, you start working on those things. And you start putting to death the old self and the things that hurt so bad. And are destructive. And you take on these new qualities. Where all of a sudden this peace that passes all understanding comes into your life. Because you're not stressed out anymore by things. That are out of your control. You're not saying things to other people that come back to haunt you. You're not making decisions that 
hurt you all along the way. It's a beautiful transformation. That doesn't mean it's problem-free. Satan seeks like a roaring lion to find who he can destroy. He's going to try to trip us up, and at times we will fall. And Scripture is very clear that that's going to happen. But we're still on this upward trajectory. We're still trying to go forward. A lot of times with students of mine, as I'm trying to communicate to other teachers what's going on or to administration, and I'll say, well, Joey's a two steps forward, one step back kind of student. Uh, Joey's going in the right direction, but what you just saw and why he's in your office is because he took a step back. But he's still a two steps forward person. Most of what Joey's doing is going the right direction. So this incident needs to be handled properly and consequences need to be meted out. But we're going to put Joey right back where he's going. He's coming right back to class. He's not kicked out of class. He's going to come right back to class and we're going to work on things. I've got a student in class and he's got a big problem with language. He wants to throw out words, blurts them out. But he's a great student. I don't want to kick him out of class. I don't want him going to another school. But I've got to work with how he gets his language out. And he's getting better. Last year, it was terrorizing. Uh, this year, he's doing pretty good. And he's getting better and better. And it's a beautiful sight because he's a good talker. He looks you right in the eye and he's got things to say all the time. And he's got a great feature in communication. He just has to get rid of the corrupt communication uh, that oftentimes messes up what he's saying. But God puts us right back on that track. Because he's invested the life of his son in us. And that's how serious God is about the process. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to abandon you because you mess up or fail. There's going to be times that we sin and we sin miserably. But we are a two steps forward, one step back kind of people. We get back up. And he's taking us to the promised land. And he's given us great and exceeding and precious promises. So he's not going to give up on you and he doesn't want you giving up on yourself. Don't let Satan and what he puts in your mind tell you anything different about your life other than you're a child of God committed to godliness. Correcting whatever you see that needs fixing, whether something instant or something long term, and always taking on the character that God sent his son to die for. You are a beautiful person in Christ. And your beauty radiates. And let your friends, your neighbor, and your family see it. They're not always going to see the best you. They're going to see someone who's trying to grow and trying to be different. And your God sees everything. He looks forward to the day that he will see you face to face. And the beauty of your soul and the beauty of his face will be combined. That's our eternal destiny. And may we stay the course. May we stay together. This is hard. There's nothing in our culture that supports what we're doing. There's no television show about looking like Jesus. There's plenty about looking the opposite. There's no magazine I know of that's showing here's how to look like Christ. There's glamour and there's this and that, but there's, that. there's nothing in our culture. And there's very few people except usually the people in this room that are helping us look like we're supposed to look. So appreciate each other and appreciate this relationship that we have. And may God bless us as we go forward.
we're going to sing a song to encourage us to do this very thing. It's a constant process of change, correction. We get knocked down, we get right back up again, get cleaned off, go forward. May we be encouraged by this song to confess any sin we know of to God, confess it, seek restoration, repentance, get right back on the track of following God. But perhaps you've never started because you've never experienced new birth. Amazing thing about Christ is you can always be born again. Repenting of your sin, confessing Jesus as Lord, you can be baptized to have your sins forgiven, to experience new birth, brand new. What a blessing our God gives to us. Whatever you need, the church here is ready to help you in whatever that is, and we'll talk with you about what the next step is. But let it be known or make that decision in private. Don't just stay where you're at. Do what you know you need to do.